Contract means an agreement between two or more parties, especially one that is written and enforceable by law. As first-year law students, we are learning contract law as well as constitutional law and property law in this semester. And here is our discussion on contract law. Our main idea for today is consideration. And that is a doctrine that we learn early on in the semester for contracts class. And we'll be going over what it is and how it applies to certain cases and what makes it so unique. So first things first, what is consideration? According to Black Law Dictionary, consideration means something such as an act of forbearance or a return promise bargained for and received by a promisor from a promisee, that which motivates a person to do something, especially to engage in a legal act. Why is this important? In general, unlike gift, contract is enforceable under the law. In the real world, however, it is not easy for us to tell what act constitutes enforceable contract. We are talking about consideration because it is necessary for an agreement to be enforceable. Moving on! So considerations can be considered to have three functions. Number one, an evidentiary function, which means that the consideration acts as proof of a promise to safeguard against perjury and things of that sort. The second function is cautionary function, which means that consideration would act as a check against inconsiderate action making sure that the parties intend to be bound by the agreement before they make the agreement. And the third function is the channeling function, which means that by setting up an agreement in a certain way, you know that there will be consequences and obligations, so that a party won't be blind going into the agreement, that there are things expected of them and things that they have to accomplish. The phrase that always sticks out to me when thinking of consideration is the bargained for exchange. So I think the principles that were underlying what Benny was talking about are really um, what the whole point of consideration is even about. Um, you want to allow, or courts I should say, want to allow as much freedom of contracting as possible. Um, principles of autonomy and, and free market enterprise and so forth. Um, at the same time, you want to ensure that people are entering these contracts um, freely, knowingly, willingly, and that they really are to society's benefit. Um, so ideally to the benefit of both parties, um, if you're in a bargain for exchange, one person you know, is selling a piano, uh, the other is buying it for $400, that means that they both value what they're getting more than what they're giving up. Um, so I think that's just the general principle underlying consideration and how I've been thinking about it. Um, I guess to add to that, um, another important thing to consider is that it does distinguish it from something like a gift um, where I may choose to give you a ring um, that is different than if uh, we're kind of discussing and bargaining um, as Philippa said for um, I have a ring and how much are you willing to pay for it or I have a ring and this is how much 
I'm willing to sell it for. Um, so differing it from uh, gift kind of helps, uh, I guess, two parties, especially when it comes to um, the court system and figuring out what remedies someone can get. All right, and so it comp something that we tend to see as we were doing our cases in class was that consideration can be looked at as one of two things, either a legal detriment to the promisee, which is the person who has been given the promise, or a benefit to the promisor, who is the person making the promise. And as Greg said, otherwise what you would have would be a conditional gift. And so to make an example of what a conditional gift would be, imagine somebody walks up to a homeless person and tells the homeless person, if you walk to the store and use my credit card to buy yourself a coat, you can have the coat. Now in that situation, what would be the detriment of the promisee? And that would be that the homeless person is walking to the store in order to fulfill the promisor's promise. However, the homeless person has not actually given anything to the promisor. So in that instance, you would only have a conditional promise because the, the gift is given as a condition of him walking to the store. I had an interesting conversation with the professor after one of those classes with regards to that homeless hypo. I can't remember if it was Williston, is that who it was? One of the contracts greats um, that came up with these homeless hypotheticals. Um, and I couldn't understand why that was such a line that she was able to draw in the sand because I came up with a tweaked hypo of, well, what if the promisor offering to buy a coat is a sadist and wants to see some poor homeless guy with hobbled legs and, you know, an open sore or what have you hobble on over to the, the, the store to get the coat. How far is the store? Does it matter? How far would it have to be to start to say that maybe the homeless person is giving something up um, and so forth? And we went back and forth and I don't know that there was any real resolution except for her to say that it's all fact dependent. Um, and I guess that is my biggest surprise in contracts so far. I really thought this was going to be our most rules-based class and I find it's actually the least. Um, I really do think that the courts are um, a little all over the place at first glance, um, but perhaps really at the heart of it all, trying to reach equitable and just decisions. Um, and so at times feeling like they're fitting um, you know, the square pegs into the round holes, as we've been saying. So um, just to throw that out there, I don't know that the homeless hypo question was ever fully resolved in my mind but yeah, I think that's a good point however like you said I was expecting it to be a class full of rules and everything however when a court actually looks at these situations and as the professor has stated in our class usually courts will not look to a psychological benefit but rather an economic one so if the sadist had gotten a mental sort of enjoyment out of seeing the homeless person walk I don't think the court, looking at it in an ob ob objective, sort of a reasonable, would a reasonable person see it as a valid exchange, whether they would see it as 
an exchange that actually occurred that was actually bargained for, but rather, you know, the conditional gift. Moving on! Promisor, promisee, there are two people doing promising in a, bar a true bargain for exchange, right? Someone's promising to give you a coat, but the other person is promising in exchange to go get it. So I found all those terms um, pretty... Right, and then at that point you would have to distinguish if it is a bilateral contract or a unilateral contract. So in a unilateral contract, the promisor is the only person making the promise, and the contract will be fulfilled once the promisee does the performance that was requested by the promise. But in a bilateral contract, then you would have both parties doing the promises, and so that's a different situation. According to Black Law Dictionary, Unilateral contract means a contract in which only one party makes a promise or undertakes a performance. In bilateral contract, it means a contract in which the parties obligate themselves reciprocally so that the obligation of one party is correlative to the obligation of the other. Moving on. Benny, can you break down for me? Because it looks like you have a good handle on this stuff. Um, I'm looking at my notes on mutuality. Uh, what is the relationship between bilateral, unilateral, and mutuality? And are these really just terms for the same kind of things that courts look to? Give me a moment to look at my notes. Okay. <laughs> so I have here that um, mutuality lacking promises contain a free way out, so are unilateral. Um, and I'm looking at the case with regards to, I wish I had a name for you, um, the Beats hauling. So the contract said, I'll pay you to haul the Beats as need arises. Uh, oh, right, 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 right. So in that, in that case, the contract never said that there would be a specific amount of beads picked up each time, but rather it was worded in such a way that the defendant didn't really guarantee anything, right? Right. And then we had the Wood versus Lucy Lady Duff Gordon case um, with the fashionista who contracted with, um, I'm not clear on his exact role, but... Um, she, her defense basically was that there was no contract because there was no mutuality and while Cardozo conceded that there was no explicit promise by the plaintiff to market her designs he said it's implied and inferable because it was the whole point of the agreement um, so there was mutuality found right so because in that case what they had contracted for was that he would sort of um, put her endorsements on products and so he had the exclusive privilege to do that. She couldn't sell herself um, or put her own endorsements on things. So I guess, and this is just a preliminary <laughs> opinion because I need to look at the mutuality more, but... You tasked us very difficultly <laughs> well with summarize contracts in uh, the second podcast we've ever done. Go. So I guess in mutuality is when you have both parties who have the intent to contract and that who both are doing something to bring that contract to fruition. So I guess when you're, when you're saying between bilateral or unilateral contracts, both would still have mutuality because in a unilateral contract, even though it's one party who's doing the promise, 
and the promisee is just doing the performance, you're still having the intent by the promisee to do that performance in order to fulfill the contract. And a unilateral contract, whether oral or written, would have the necessary terms to see that. Well, this is a tough issue, right? That is why we study this over and over again. I hope this was helpful. Our discussion will continue in the next episode. See you next time. Stay tuned. <laughs> Essentials. <laughs>